Welcome back to our series on the book of Proverbs. And just a reminder, this is a series primarily for young people. I realize that we're living in a culture that does not promote Christian values, does not exalt the person of Christ. And that this is the reason why we're doing these um, lessons. We want to help children understand the wisdom of God. Now we left off the last time in chapter four. So we're going to begin Proverbs in chapter five. And uh, before I read the text, I want to say something very important. First of all, I would really uh, consider it a necessity for the parents to be involved in this study in chapter five, six, and seven, because the writer is going to deal with the theme of, of immorality, of adultery. I'm going to try to be as discreet as possible, recognizing that I will be speaking to children and to uh, youth, but it would be great to have the parents involved. We live in a world that is exceedingly wicked. And we have to deal with these topics. We have to teach on how to avoid them. We have to teach on the great danger of them, but we really need the parents involved. So I'm going to read through uh, Proverbs 5, and then we'll pray, and then we'll begin a line-by-line -line study. Now, another thing that I want to point out about these studies, I'm going to wander a bit what I mean is if there's a theme that comes up, I may expound on that theme. That's the same way that I taught and teach my own children. So let's begin in Proverbs 5, verse 1. My son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable, and she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one, and strangers will be filled with your strength, and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. And you will groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed, and you say, How I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I, have I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times, be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated in, with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture 
the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. At the beginning of this chapter, it's always good to read the entire chapter. When we come back for other texts that we're going to study, we'll just concentrate on that text. Now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I would ask that you would pray with me. Um, I will have already completed this when you see it. But pray for yourself. Pray that God would give you understanding, the wisdom that is absolutely essential if you are going to live for Christ in this world. So let's pray. Father, I pray, first of all, for what we're doing here today, the teaching. Let your word be exalted. And I pray that not by intellect or eloquence, but by your spirit, that you would use this in the lives of the young people who will be watching. And oh God, I pray that first of all, that they would know your son, because that is the greatest wisdom to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the greatest work that we can do is to believe in your son unto salvation. So I don't pray, Lord, just to have a bunch of young people filled with knowledge. But young people devoted to Christ, filled with love for Christ in doing these things because they seek to honor him. Oh, dear God, please help us now in Jesus name. Amen. Now, first of all, in verses one and two, we're going to see the great bulwark against sin, the great defensive or protective wall against all types of sin, not just immorality. And that is wisdom, biblical wisdom, God's wisdom. So he says, my son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. Now, first of all, my son, this denotes endearment. You see, this is a father speaking to his son. Uh, I know you're young and uh, you're not yet fathers or mothers, but you need to understand something. When you have a child, they mean more to you than, than anything on the earth. And you want the best for them. Sometimes as a young person, when your parents want to instruct you or correct you or even rebuke you, you may kind of, you know, you put steel in your backbone and you fight against it. Um, you're upset. You're angry. Um, sometimes your parents won't allow you to do certain things that you want to do. And, and you think this is just wrong. They don't care about me. Well, biblical parents, when they tell you with the scriptures that you're wrong, or they forbid you to do certain things, you've got to understand it's because of this, because you are their, their son, you're, you're their daughter. And, and that is a relationship that is, um, is so important to them, as important as any other relationship in the world. They care about you. That's why they teach you. That's why sometimes they say yes. And that's why many times they say, no, because you see, here's what you need to understand, young person. No one is born into this world with wisdom. Wisdom is something that you have to learn. Now, we've said this many times, but I'm going to say it again. 
You have two choices. You can live and learn, or you can learn and live. The second option is the best. You know, someone who doesn't listen to wisdom, they may learn, but they're going to learn the hard way and it's going to damage them greatly and cause great sorrow. So instead of trying to figure out on your own what path you ought to go down, maybe you ought to just listen to wisdom. Maybe you ought to just hear what God has to say. So he starts off, he says, my son, and then he says, give attention to my wisdom, give attention. Now, the idea here is not merely that you you need to listen. It's that you need to focus and you need to understand exactly what's being said in the word so that you can apply it. And application is very important because as we've said many times and we're going to say over and over again in the scriptures to listen is to obey. So, um, you know, your, your mother tells you to do something like clean up your room and two hours later she comes into your room and it's not clean. She usually doesn't say, why didn't you obey me? She says, why didn't you listen to me? So when the Bible says, listen, it's saying, listen, so that you may, so that you may obey. But now in order to obey, you have to understand. So he says, my son, give attention to my wisdom. What is wisdom? Uh, a lot of times we ask the question, what is the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And uh, the answer can be quite complex. But what I want to say to you today is that the best way to look at it is knowledge is God's knowledge. The knowledge of what is real, what is true. And wisdom is how do we take that knowledge and apply it to our daily lives. You know, we talk about someone can have a really big head. That means they have a, a, a lot of stuff in there and it may even be true, but it's meaningless if it doesn't affect two other areas, their heart. You know, what you know about God, does it affect your heart? Does it cause you to love God to a greater degree, to glorify God to a greater degree, to think about God? It's not just your heart, but also your body. If you have a whole bunch of knowledge, but it really doesn't affect the way you uh, move your hands, what you do with your hands, what you do with your feet, how you walk, what you look at, what you refuse to look at, what you listen to and don't listen to, then the knowledge really doesn't matter, you see. So the question is not, are you smart, but are you wise? Do you know how to apply that knowledge that you possess? Do you know how to apply it? And then are you willing to? Do you actually do these things in your daily life? Now, I'm going to remind you of that a lot, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm 61 years old, and I still know a lot more than what I actually apply. So we will always have need of hearing this. So he says, my son, give attention to my wisdom. One other thing I want to say about wisdom, and this also applies not just to the young people listening, but it also applies to the parents. Notice he says, as a father, 
but it also applies to a mother. Notice that he says, my wisdom. So parents, it's, it's not only important that your children study the book of Proverbs and the rest of scripture, but also that you as parents do so. You must lead the way by your example. So the wisdom of scripture must come into the mind and heart of your children. That is true. But the wisdom of scripture must also be your wisdom as a father and a mother. You must study God's word. And what is here needs to be also in your heart and mind. You need to be the example. So the father's basically saying, son, I'm not just going to teach you stuff. This is what I have lived. And this is what has protected me. So he says, my son, give attention to my wisdom. And then he says, incline your ear to my understanding. Now, this is one of my my uh, favorite uh, phrases in the Bible. Um, it literally means stretch out your ear. OK, now let me give you an example. When when I'm out in the woods, uh, when my boys were young and we were out in the woods, I would say something like, uh, look at that deer. And they would go, well, we don't see it. I go, it's right there. Well, where? Now, what do I do uh, with my body language? I stretch out my hand like that. I lean and I go, look, it's right there. Do you see? I'm leaning into it. Now, someone says something to you and you don't really hear them, but you have an idea that's important. What do you do? You lean into it, don't you? You go, what was it that you said? And, and that's the idea here. Incline your ear, lean forward, stretch out your ear, open it up as wide as you can so that you can hear. Why? Because this is important. It's important. There is Nothing more important, nothing more important. Let me say that again. There's nothing more important. He says, incline your ear to my understanding. Now, what is that understanding? Well, here, wisdom and understanding are being used as synonyms. Really, it's saying basically the same thing. But I have something here that I want to that I, that I wrote down. I want to make sure that you get it here. Understanding is used as a synonym for wisdom, but it, it includes more than simply gathering data. OK, for example, the accountant, he has all this data of where money came from, uh, how the money was spent, how long it stayed. He can break down the expenditures and categories. So you have all this data and that's important. It's absolutely essential, but it's not just having the data. It's how do you read it and how do you apply it? How do you act based upon the information that you've received? This is extremely important. Extremely important. So again, this is just reiterating what I've already said. It's not enough just to have a bunch of facts in your head about God or God's will. You must know, how do I apply these things to my daily life? How do they affect me? 
How do they change the way I walk? And once again, I want you to notice, he says here, incline your ear to my understanding. Parents, this is very, very important, extremely important. Again, the wisdom must be your own. You yourself, you yourself must study the word and you must grow in wisdom and understanding. Now, let's go to our next page of notes here. We're moving along. Wisdom and understanding. There's one last thing I want to say about both of these things. When he says my wisdom and my understanding, the father and the mother, they're not saying these are the things that I have thought up or these are the things I have learned from my own experiences. No, they're saying these are the things that we have learned from God and we've learned them from God's word. Now let's go on to verse two. Starting in one, my son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. Why? We're going to talk about the reward of wisdom here, that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. So in verse one, we see what you must do. In verse two, we're going to see the benefit of it so that you may observe discretion. Now, what is discretion? Discretion is the ability to weigh things like in a scale and determine what is good and what is not so good. And it's not always the difference between something that's very good and something that is very evil, but also it's being able to weigh, even among good things, what is the best. Let me give you an example. Uh, we at HeartCry, we work in missions. Now, we, we actually help orphans and we help people in need, and those are good things, very good things, very necessary things. But even though they're that good, they're not the best. Because you see, if we help all the orphans in the world, but we don't preach to them the gospel, we haven't given them the best thing. And so discretion is the ability to judge when someone asks you to do something. Is this a good thing or is this an evil thing? Is it a good thing or is it the best thing? Now, another thing that discretion refers to is the ability to plan carefully, to, to, to figure out uh, the way that you should go, kind of planning your life or planning a certain task. Now, Sometimes Christians just get too super spiritual. They, um, you know, they'll say things like, I just want to be led of the spirit and we need to be led of the spirit. But being led of the spirit also requires that we sit quietly, that we study God's word and that we think, actually think, how then shall I live? And then there's certain things in life, like some of you are probably teenagers and you're thinking about what am I going to do with my life? Well, you need discretion, don't you? Discretion to sit down and go, I'm going to think out certain plans and write them out. I'm going to get wise counsel from my parents and maybe pastors and other people. 
and I'm going to determine the way that I should go. Young people today, uh, youngsters are often so preoccupied in their mind. They're so busy with things. They're on the Internet. They're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. They're, they're doing all these things, social media, and they never sit down and think with discretion, not just what will I do when I'm older, but how should I properly use my time today? Or they never have a plan when it comes to how will I respond when I'm tempted, especially tempted with extraordinary evil like immorality. So one of the reasons why we study God's word and we, why we listen to others who are teaching God's word is so that we may have discretion. Now, look what it says. He says that you may observe discretion. Now, what does that mean to observe discretion? Well, the idea is to safeguard it or protect it. And I've written something here that I think will help you understand it. It's that you may not lose discretion when you're tempted, that you might not forget the righteous plans you made when wicked alternatives are placed before you. Now, I want you to think about that. Um, there's a thing that's very common among boxers and uh, um, martial artists, and that's this. Everybody has a fight plan until you're punched in the face. Everybody has a plan until you actually get into the battle. Well, you need a plan before you get into battle. And even with a plan, it's difficult. So how difficult will it be if you have no plan? You see, you have to decide now what are your convictions. You have to decide now, because when you're in the battle, it's too late to decide. You have to study God's word. You have to know God's law. You have to know the commandments of Christ. You need to know the principles of wisdom and not only know them, but you need to sit there and go, this is my conviction. I will obey God rather than men. I will obey God rather than the own my own evil desires. Okay. So you study the word and you come to hold great convictions. And then as you enter into the battle, those convictions, they guide you. They guide you. So he says in verse two that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. Now, what does he mean? Well, that you may become a reservoir of knowledge to know how to properly answer any temptation, whether it's immorality or anything that is contrary to the will of God. You see, God wants you to be not only someone who knows, but someone who is a reservoir of knowledge that you can pour out on other people. Now, I want to look at a few passages that are outside of Proverbs 5. So I want us to go quickly to Proverbs 15, 28. Look what it says. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer 
but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Now, the mouth of the wicked, without thinking, just pours out things, constantly pouring out things without thinking about what they're saying. And we all know how damaging words can be, not only to the one who speaks them, but to the one who hears them. But look what it says. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. And they don't just think about how to answer the moment they're asked a question. But they've studied God's word with regard to how to answer. They've gained wisdom and understanding from God's word. And so they're they're able to answer promptly, correctly. A word that is fitted for that circumstance. Very important. Now, who is the greatest example of this? Who was the greatest example? Well, we don't have time to go there, but it's Jesus. Do you remember in Matthew chapter four, he's tempted and he's not just tempted. He's tempted by the greatest of all tempters, the devil himself. And every time Jesus answers him perfectly. And what's very important to recognize, Jesus answered him by quoting scripture. By quoting scripture. Now, here's something that you often don't hear about this. That's very important. Um, He not just he didn't just overcome the devil because he quoted scripture at the devil. He overcame the devil because he obeyed the scriptures he quoted. I'm always hearing people say, you know, when you're tempted, just quote scripture. Yes, it's a good idea. But a better idea is also obey the scripture you're quoting. It does very little good to just say things. To just speak the scriptures. The question is, are you going to obey the scriptures that are dealing with that specific temptation? Now, I want you to go just quickly with me, and this is where we're going to finish up. I want you to go to the last book of the Old Testament, right before uh, the book of Matthew, We have the book of Malachi. And I want to read something to you, and I want you to see how it applies to you, even as a young person. Now, he's talking about the ideal priest, the good priest, the godly priest. And this is what he says. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. He, he worshiped God. He respected God. He feared God. He stood in awe of God's name. And, and that applies not just to priests, but to, to you and to me. You need to study the scriptures and develop such a relationship with God that you revere him and you revere his salvation that he's given you through Christ and you revere his word. And it says, True instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in in peace and uprightness and he turned back many from iniquity. Now, I want you to look at this. True instruction was in his mouth. I know you're young, but some of you may even have small brothers and sisters and you can be a great influence on them. You can be a great influence on your friends and you can be that way either for good or for evil. And if you want to be a good influence, then what must you do? 
Look what it says. True instruction was in his mouth and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. You need to get the word of God in your brain and in your heart so that it comes out of your mouth and you're a great influence to other people. Do you know that you can even be an influence on your parents? You can even be an influence on your pastors. When they see your devotion to the scriptures. You know, through my life, I've met some young people that have memorized entire books of the Bible. And, and when I find out about it, I am so encouraged to go forward myself, to go farther myself. So no matter how young you are, you can be a great influence if true instruction is found in your mouth and on your lips. And it says he walked with me in peace and uprightness. He didn't just speak. He walked. And what happened as a result of him walking according to the law of God? He turned back many from iniquity. Do you realize the influence you can have? On everyone around you, especially your brothers and sisters for good or for evil. Then verse seven, for the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge. And that's what we were talking about in the book of Proverbs, that you guard it, that you have it. It's in you. You don't depart from it. And men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Now, when I want to seek instruction, I don't go to people who are eloquent necessarily. I don't go to people who have all kinds of clever sayings or life experiences. I really don't. It doesn't interest me. When I want to get counsel, I go to people who know God's word and can open up God's word and instruct me. Well, uh, we're at the end of our first session and I just pray, I pray that God will use this in your heart to do good and that you will become an instrument of righteousness. God bless you.